From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, July 26, 2019. Almost the end of summer. This is crazy. It's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hi. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to our other studio Hi. guest in a second. Uh, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. All the way from Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy, y'all. And sitting in for the show today. Here in our Orlando studios, about five feet from me, doing office camp, my son, <laughs> Cohen Strength. Hi, everybody. We told oh, Cohen yeah. before the show, bring the energy. And that was his version of bringing the energy. I said, if you're going to be on mic, you got to have the pep. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, fresh off his appearance on The Late Show this week, actor Jamie Bell joins us. I, uh, we're going to talk to him about his new movie called Skin, which hits theaters today. Yes. Uh, very exciting to have him on the show today. You know, once again, our pipeline from national late night television to the relevant podcast. That's right. The day, the, the day that I was privileged enough to speak to him, he went to go visit Stephen Colbert that evening. And I can't help but think my interview prepared him for his late show appearance. It's also an A24 film, which they are, you know, probably... The, the most prestige studio around right now. So it's a really great interview. It's a heavy film, but I was really excited to talk to him. You know, he was just saying, he's at, he's on Autry. He was just saying Rocket Man, too. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a real, A24 is a real rock star. I feel like they're kind of the stars of their own movies. Like, if you see yeah. the A24 logo on there, you're like, oh, I'm interested. Okay. I, I'm yeah. automatically yeah. on board I'm, I'm with, I'm are they going to try? If people don't know his name yet, he wasn't the Rocket Man. No. No, no. He was, he, the, he manager. the manager. The yeah. manager of, yeah, yeah. Sir Elton John. Elton yeah, John's exactly. manager. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. All right. Well, Jamie Bell is coming up later. Uh, I, I don't, we don't normally have a show note in my rundown <laughs> that's that like this one, but it says as a note to me, banter colon Chandler needs to address something about Olive Garden. So before we move the show along, I have a very important show note that we need to address. Apparently, Chandler needs to get something off his chest about Olive Garden. Chandler, the floor is yours. And, and I want to say this real quick to prep this. Listeners, prepare to be shook because I was. Like, I feel betrayed. Oh, no. I feel weird. I feel uncomfortable. Uh, okay. um, yeah, I feel a lot of complicated emotions. Chandler, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, basically, people on Twitter were, were saying that they wanted me to talk more. And I was like, look, if you all want to talk about Olive Garden, then I'm down. I yeah. thought you were a Chili's guy. I mean, what I said was Chili's or Olive Garden, of course. No, 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 no. There's not Chili's or. I I feel like we've already gone through all all we can with Chili's. I will say this. Uh, June 16th every year. Uh It's a special day in the Strang household. Uh It's the birthday (laughs) of Chandler Strang. Oh, yeah. So, you know, once a year, we're all forced to have a family dinner or family (laughs) lunch. (laughs) And, um, And every year, the parents... 
say, you know, they want they want Chandler to feel like part of the family. They want him to feel valued <laughs> yeah, and sure. loved. I get, I get to choose. And so, they, so he gets to choose where we go. And I'm thinking, we don't get a dinner anymore because he's going to do fun stuff with his friends. So we get a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a birthday lunch <laughs> for the family. And this year, his birthday fell on a Sunday, which happened to be Father's Day. And which my oh. dad says... Chandler was the best Father's Day present he ever got. Oh, you know. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if he feels that way anymore, but. But, uh, <laughs> but getting emotional. Very emotional. Very emotional day for the Strang family. But to be fair, he got a really nice crock pot this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, though technically that's number one because you should you should taste the Brunswick stew that that, that bad boy can, yeah. you know, make in about. It only takes about nine and a half hours. And yeah, you get yourself uh, yeah. a heck of a stew. You're an okay son, but man, this stew is <laughs> yeah, so this this year the question was you know it's a father's day it's father's day so i'm a father i got i got proof right here uh-huh. he's a father but no chandler gets to pick where we're going to lunch on father's day yeah. slash his birthday and what does he choose to celebrate three-fourths of the people that are going to be there are adults around the table he chooses Olive Garden. Of course. And I'm like, what? Let's talk breadsticks. What? Chandler has salad. entered into a torrid love triangle <laughs> involving him, Chili's, and Olive Garden. <laughs> you know, just when I thought the nation couldn't handle another high-profile scandal, we have the, the world's biggest Chili's fan. What, the, what, Chili's maybe only black card holder. Someone who has actually been sent one-of-a-kind custom Chili streetwear yeah <laughs> this is all true this is so, so like a champion of the chili's brand someone who chili's the the actual organization chili's regularly reaches out to yeah chandler has turned his back on them mm. and has and has entered into a relationship with olive garden <laughs> publicly <laughs> Just when I thought too many scandals, the nation can't handle anything. Chandler, do you read the news? What are you doing? We can't handle. I'm picturing the only way we can redeem this is if there is like a bachelor style romance show. Yeah, that's what I. But instead of eligible bachelorettes. It is chain mall restaurants. <laughs> Ruby Tuesday, I had a great time with you. Your fantasy dessert. Ruby Tuesday. Oh, man. Ruby That's salad. Your fantasy dessert, which was 4th of July theme for summer with strawberry shortcake was delicious. My heart belongs somewhere else, and that's where you run off into the sunset with Olive Garden. I would watch that show. I'm, I, you know, I'm really, I, I you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Applebee's. You've slidered yeah. your way so, so, into so my his, heart. His, 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 all of his suitors, his suitors are are mm-hmm. Chili's, Olive Garden, Applebee's, Applebee's. Ru- Rudy, Ruby Tuesdays. Uh, uh, but then, but then there's some there's some outliers like Oh Charlie's, <laughs> Chevy's, places that aren't doing so great. You know, somehow somehow a Quiznos snuck its way in there. I mean, it's it, the the show's all over the place. So you're, going, you know? you're saying fast food is on the table too, not just. Yeah. Casual dining. Chi-Chi's, which isn't even business. Yeah. <laughs> Chi-Chi's isn't even business, but there's a Chi-Chi's involved. It's, it's a, I mean, I, you know, Chandler has his heart pulled in a million different directions. Right. You've got, right. you, you know, a blooming onion who's trying to woo his heart and you've got, I mean, you know, steak sliders. Say, you know? I will say in years past when, when his birthday did not fall on Father's Day, 
uh, we we would meet for the family Chandler birthday dinner, and uh, usually at the Altamont Springs Chili's. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, the, I remember that. Two years ago. That's right. It's the only time I eat at a Chili's <laughs> is his birthday. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the only time I really have eaten there. Right. Exactly. And then this so, is my oh, first time Cohen, eating there when out, it was man. his birthday. And then this year. Cohen's on Father's Day going, well, where are we going to the family lunch? I was guessing and I said, Chili's. Yeah, and I said, Olive Garden. He goes, what's that? Yeah. And I said, I oh, obviously wow, yeah. knew what no, it no, was, no. but I thought you were talking about Applebee's for some reason. But but you but then when we got there, you said, I've never eaten at an Olive Garden. Yeah, I And never we told have. the waiter that, Except, and the waiter yeah. looked at us with disgust. <laughs> just yeah, complete shock. Like, he was more just surprised. He, 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 said, was, he was like shook when he heard that. Just like, <laughs> you suck. Like, how have you never eaten at an Olive Garden? I was like, because I'm a good parent. Because <laughs> it's been nine years. I, I, I take issue with that. That's an important part of the childhood experience. Maybe not like a positive one, but it teaches resilience. It's it teaches one of the, the only ab- places where you can get a week's worth of carbs in an appetizer. It's very, very impressive. I'm picturing Chandler's rose, rose ceremony when he's like, Outback, please come forward. And he's like, I hate to say this, but it's not going to be a Good day, mate. And then he sends, no, 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 no. sends out back away. Yeah. Away from me. Away from me. And it's just, I think ultimately the last episode is going to, just going to be Chili's and, and Olive Garden. But now we know who who has your heart, Chandler. Yeah. We know. And it's well, so has it shifted over all. to Olive Garden? Well, I mean, you can't eat at Chili's every night. You know what I mean? Are you, you, what? Whoa, you, whoa. Whoa. you literally can with your, with your done card you. that they say you, you could. You could. You're, that's true. That's true. I mean, to be honest, I recently moved to the Orlando area. I, I, you know, lived he, up he used to live in bit. the suburbs, yeah. and now he's in the I city. I was right down the street from a Chili's. I moved to Orlando. There's not a Chili's anywhere near the main Orlando area. No, there's not Probably. at all. Good, that is, Chili's is a, is a strictly a suburban and airport sort of restaurant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is a disappointment for sure. So, <laughs> Chili's, if you're I think, listening, consider I think opening one in Orlando. I think out of all the restaurants, like Bennigan's is the one that leaves night one. And it's like, this isn't for me. I made a mistake by coming on this show. I'm compromising everything I'm about by being here. Bennigan's is a family institution. We are an after church on Sunday afternoon type of joint. I don't need to be on this salacious show. <laughs> saying Bennigan's Brady Toops out early on. Bennigan pulls the tubes. They pull the tubes and they're, they're alpha. They, they take control of their own destiny. Where Chandler's love. Where Red Robin's the one who's, you know, acting in a way that gets the Twitter all abuzz that night. I, do you see what Red Robin was doing on the show last night? Who does Red Robin think Red Robin is? Yeah. <laughs> Red Robin. I've got a lot of problems with Red Robin. Okay. And I Red can't really Robin. articulate them. Here's, here's my issue with Red Robin. No. It's have you ever eaten there? I think I have I, You have not. You I'm would know little. it if you have. <laughs> uh, Red, here's my issue with Red Robin. I can't go there. I've been there twice in my life. The uh-huh. unlimited fries situation. It's a problem. I would be 700 pounds if I ate there more than once every five years. Like, yeah. I consume thousands of calories at one visit to Red Robin. You know, because the burger yeah. has like eggs on it. I mean, it's like yeah. the burger is a foot tall it's and huge. you got baskets upon baskets of unlimited yeah. fries. Yeah. Come on. For eight bucks. And there's usually yeah. like fries on the burger or some sort of fried situation yeah. on the burger, like a fried onion ring or a little or little straws or something like that. And I'd say they do all that work and it's still it's still just not a very good meal. I think Red Robin. Yeah, I'd send Red. <laughs> I'm with, I don't know where you're at on this Chandler. This is your show. I don't mean to impose my own will over it. <laughs> oh, no, uh, if I could leave, if I could whisper into your ear. 
Send Red Robin away. You you, you can do better. <laughs> I, I see. I see like a no, mid-season love affair with Uno Pizza that ends in heartbreak <laughs> for both parties as well. Like you know, the, Pizza you know. Uno. Pizza Uno. Famously, uh, if if you look up the nutrition ratings or uh, uh, facts of uh, national restaurant menus, uh, Pizza Uno has the highest calorie entree in America. Yeah. How many? It, is, it? It, cool. is it? Is it? What is it? Do you remember? Uh, sort of like Italian yeah. pasta thing. No, no, it's a deep dish pizza. It's and a deep dish, which will a, lead to the personal. line. Chandler uh, says the depths of my love are are are, are deeper <laughs> than a Chicago style, and you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it ends badly. Heartbreak. It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay, actually, I, I stand corrected. I have the 15 highest calorie restaurant meals in America right in front of me. Okay. okay. The okay. Buffalo Wild Wings cheese curd bacon burger. Oh, wow. Cheese yeah. curd bacon burger has 2,000 calories, 53 grams of saturated fat, and 4,700 milligrams of sodium. Outback Steakhouse, herb roasted prime rib. Sounds healthy. You get a little baked big potato and side salad. Yeah. But it has a ton of 2,400 calories. 2,400 calories. Mm, More wow. than a day's wow. worth of calories in one meal. That's a Ron Swanson. That's what Ron Swanson calls Have that brunch. for all three meals. <laughs> I hop. I hop. Cheeseburger omelet with pancakes. 2,000 calories. Shake Shack. Double a cheeseburger sm- omelet? I don't even understand that this one. This like is they, crazy. Did they cut up a cheeseburger? Shake Shack. A double smoked, smoked shack burger. Just the burger. No fries. Nothing else. A Shake Shack burger. I promise you that. 2,240 calories, 55 grams of saturated fat. Most of these are burgers, which is interesting. Which is why... interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sonic Pineapple Upside Down Master Blast Shake. So just a shake from Sonic. 2,020 calories. Wow. Dave and Buster's Carnivore Pizza Dia. It's like a a quesadilla, but it's a pizza (laughs) with meat on it. 2,000 calories. A pizza Dia. Okay. That's just an abomination. That yeah. is, that's it, not right. It looks like it. That would not right. that. No. Uh, and uh, Red Lobster. You forgot Red Lobster in your uh, in your oh, competition, yeah. by the way. Red Lobster yeah. sold. Um, yeah, it feels like a halfway house between <laughs> yeah. fast food and a uh, and a, a real casual dining spot. <laughs> so, so Red Lobster uh, create your own three shrimp dishes. You can do like your own combination. You know, uh, you get you get the jumbo coconut uh, shrimp. You get the Walt's favorite shrimp, and then linguine alfredo. French fries, Caesar salad, Cheddar Bay biscuit, 3,600 calories, almost two days worth of calories. Mm. That's insane. Mm-mm-mm. That's mm. crazy. a lot of butter. There's a lot of butter involved in these. Applebee's. Apple, Applebee's coming in strong with their four cheese mac and cheese with honey pepper chicken tenders, 1,830 calories. Johnny Rockets, bacon cheddar double burger. There you go. Another burger, 3,500 calories for that. Chili's. Wow. Ultimate smokehouse combo at Chili's. 1,270 calories. That seems like it's a... Wait, the list is still going? Still going. I'm done now. (laughs) The list is still going. Going walked away and came back and we're still on the list. Pizzeria Uno uh, did not make this this list, so maybe they've oh. gotten a little healthier. I don't know. Picked up their game. Yeah. I mean, are they still in business? You know, maybe yeah, just Uno's is bit. in business. I've not seen an Uno's in years. There's an Uno's on International Drive down oh, okay. across from 
a Red Robin, actually. Okay. A murderer's row of delicacy. Yeah, that's actually where the first season of A Taste of Love with Chandler Strang was filmed. <laughs> a Taste of <laughs> Love! And, uh, a Taste of it? Love! It was a big hit. Big, we need to make that. Hit. We must make that. He d- and there's a big old Applebee's down there. There's a big old Bahama Breeze, an Olive Garden, yeah, a huge Olive Garden the, down the there. The tourist ones, yeah. Yeah, all the touristy restaurants on yeah. International Drive in Orlando yeah. is the locale of A Taste of Love with Chandler Strang. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. This yeah. show is good and, and I think we should do this and we should we should make it happen, but I feel like Ch- Chili's comes out of the gates with a strong lead over these other restaurants just because they've really courted your favor oh, in the yeah, past. Yeah, sure, sure. There, there's, a, there's an episode about halfway through the season, all the restaurants turn on smoky boats and it's a lot of drama, <laughs> a lot of infighting, a lot of just saying horrible things about smoky bones and smoky bones stood up for their values is the problem. And a lot of these other restaurants, you know, we're shaming them for it. And, yeah, you know, it's a good show. It is. It is. It's a weird. It's it's a disturbing show, actually. And I'm glad it was pulled off the air before <laughs> after several hundred thousand. You know what? Invested, you, know but, what? But, you know, it would be it would be a perfect kind of reality TV competition for like, you know, the food channel. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the people who love Actually, food yeah. would watch the food channel. It's the sort yeah. of dating show that the food fans would want. Yeah. Yeah, I like Taste it. of Love. Taste, Taste of, of Love. All, all of season two is only at Chili's. All only? of season three is only at Olive Garden. Only at Olive Garden. I like oh. it. All right, so what's your Olive Garden gripe? Why do I have a show note that Chandler because has something Chandler's to say betrayed, about Olive Garden? Ch- his love for Chili's has been a staple of the show for years. And he's not just betraying his beloved Chili's. He's betraying us all. And, and <laughs> I personally am hurt. I will not stand for this, Chandler. And how dare you, sir? How dare you? I Chili's, I know you're listening, and I will take the mantle, send me a black card, and I I will proudly wear the crown. I will proudly and I won't I won't hurt you the way that yeah, the way that Chandler has with Olive Garden. No thank you. Olive Garden. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the show note you added was the fact that Chandler has the audacity of eating at a at an Olive Garden. That was the show note. <sighs> no, I mean, I Listen. just I was like, hey, if you guys want to talk about Olive Garden, I'm down to chime in. And I said, <laughs> I said, what? 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 Why would we even talk about Olive Garden? This is a chili show. I mean, I mean it's hold, a chili. On, hold, on, hold on here. This is a chili show. Why, why did you say? Did you mean chili? Did you, for some reason, say Olive Garden, but you meant chilies? I don't. Why would you talk about Olive Garden? I don't See, understand. Chandler. Jesse wrote down in the show rundown. Chandler needs to address something about Olive Garden. <laughs> I'm glad, we, and listen. I'm glad we we cleared the air with it. I mean, because for a place named Olive Garden, yeah. not that many olives. Not Just that many saying. olives. Not that many olives. No yeah. garden. No garden. No garden. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's all about lies. It's, it's, a, it's called an Olive Garden. I feel lies like they should have, um, like when you first walk in, yeah. there are two rows yeah. in front of the doors, but then in in the middle yeah. that's separating it, it's just like this tiny little garden. Yeah, a little path. Little you can pick your own olives. Kind of nice. like back in the back in the day when you go into a seafood restaurant, there'd be a tank of the lobsters. You say, "I, I want to eat that one. I want to eat yeah. that one right there." What? You walk into yeah. an Olive Garden. You walk through a nice vineyard of olives on your way into the front door yeah. and you pick out the olives you want to eat. I like it. Yeah. And then I mean, you they can just do the, uh, like they used to do with Cracker Barrel, they just give you handfuls of like buckets of peanuts that you can show. I think they should just have buckets of olives not, when you walk in. That you can never just grab a handful happened. of olives. Cracker, Bar- 
that put the seeds happened. on the floor. I mean, it's that's gross, but it's but you're thinking, part of the charm. You're yeah. thinking you're thinking of a roadhouse, a Logan's Roadhouse, or Texas of Roadhouse. A roadhouse. Yeah. A cracker Barrel would never stand for also, peanut shells all over the cracker floor. Cracker Barrel, not many crackers or barrels. Well, that's true. a few barrels. There are barrels in the gift shop. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Cohen, you, you like keep pulling no at this crackers. thread. You're going to bring the whole industry crash. <laughs> <laughs> because guess what? I got news for you. Yeah. No one named Logan has ever worked at a Logan. It's just, it's actually on the books. I can't do it because it caused too much confusion in the account. In the accounting oh, yeah. software goes berserk. If you put a Logan in that spreadsheet, it gets all confused with the name of the restaurant. They can't have them. You know, lobsters are the only animal that it really works to be able to pick your own alive and then eat it a short time later imagine if you order the lamb or something like that's like you know you just feel weird i'm glad they're doing it with basically big bugs or chickens yeah yeah Yeah. even chickens running around yeah Yeah. that would be terrible that'd be terrible all right uh well that'll do it for your olive garden hot take (laughs) stay tuned up next (laughs) it's the hot list it's always you to Bishop Briggs. The song is Tattooed on My Heart. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Elenium and John Bellion If Good Things Fall Apart. Okay, it's time for It's the hotlist The hotlist It's sizzling That is not appropriate to play with a nine-year-old. <laughs> I'm yeah, surprised. I'm surprised. Cohen, what do you think? What's your assessment of uh, Uncle Chandler's hotlist jingle that he made? I don't care. <laughs> I, he doesn't care. Does <laughs> not the, care. The, indifferent. That's the, the producers of a taste of love cult. They want to use the it's sizzling for, <laughs> for, for <laughs> what, what is their equivalent of the fantasy suite episode in which Chandler sits down and eats 10 desserts in one night. It's, uh, <laughs> a taste of love. It's sizzling is the tagline. It's sizzling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, okay. It's time for the hot list coming in this week. Number five, the latest uh, Sunday service by Kanye took a very Jesusy turn this week. This past Sunday, Voo Church Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. was invited to preach a sermon at Kanye's weekly Sabbath gathering. Uh, up until now, Kanye and the Kardashians haven't been able to really fully articulate the mission behind the Sunday services. Um, in an interview with Jimmy Kimmel, Chloe said, uh, We have so many friends who maybe feel a little too judgmental when they go to church. When they come here, they feel so free and safe. It's what everybody says. And you have, a, you have a great time. It's a beautiful way to start your week. But Kim added, there's no sermon. There's no word. It's just music. But this week, Rich Wilkerson Jr. preached an 11-minute sermon about the exclusivity of salvation in Jesus and even led those gathered in a prayer of repentance and acceptance of Christ. Uh, we've talked about Sunday services here on the show several times. And as we've discussed, Kanye has said that he wants the services to evolve to possibly incorporate more than just music and art. Uh, he said, uh, we just got to take some time and keep growing and make it better. Well, Rich is close friends with Kim and Kanye. He officiated their wedding a few years ago. Uh, so it makes sense that he would be invited to speak. Here's a clip of Rich's sermon. God is here and he loves you. Today, he has good plans for you. But the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. 
lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight today I wonder if you've never put your trust in Jesus would you take the opportunity to surrender your life over to his John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that means all of us, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The next verse is even better. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If God wanted to condemn you, he would have sent a condemner. But he wanted to save you, therefore he sent to save you. You know, I thought... this was particularly interesting because I feel like a lot of the criticism of the Sunday services from the, you know, the limited clips that have been made available or the people who, you know, went to go see it when Kanye did the special one at like Coachella, you know, kind of the refrain was it like sort of dances around churchy stuff, but it's mainly just kind of music and entertainment. And there's not a whole lot of direct Jesus stuff where this is like, I mean, you it's know, like you can, it's like you faux, to, it's almost like a faux spirituality. It's about light yeah. and color and feeling more than it is actually like God's presence, you know. And, yeah, and um, that was really the criticism is like it's a counterfeit spirituality. It's like you know I want to feel like church without having to actually like do anything. You know that is, you get the criticism, you get it. Yeah. So the fact that Rich came and brought like such a Bible one hundred and one kind of gospel yeah. message was was an interesting shift. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Coming in at number four this week on the hot list, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Colbert showed how friendly a conversation about faith and atheism can be. The British comedian was a guest on The Late Show this week to promote his stand-up comedy tour called Supernature. Uh, explaining the meaning of the title, uh, Ricky said that he doesn't need to believe in, quote, unicorns and angels to be moved by the natural world and complicated creatures like an octopus. Colbert dug in to ask him more about his own personal beliefs and to open up about his faith and his own doubts. But even though the duo maintain opposite beliefs, unlike some interactions between Christians and humanists, conversation was thoughtful, respectful, and even funny. Here's a clip. The, and you, also, you, you talked about unicorns and angels. Okay, yeah. you said unicorns and angels have got the octopus. Yeah. Now, are unicorns and angels really the same to you? Because is, is how about is magic and faith the same to you? Because they're different things to me. Uh, well. N- no, I, I don't believe in anything without evidence. That's it. That's all, that's all they have in common. Okay. And I have, and I have, I have no problem with faith or um, spirituality. I feel it in different ways. I feel it when I see nature. And I can, and I can what is it you feel? What is it you feel? An awe. It's amazing sure. that we're here. That, so you don't have control over it, right? No, I don't, I don't believe someone made it. That's all the difference between me. We know how amazing nature is and how good people are sure, and how sure. amazing dogs are. Oh, dogs are amazing. <laughs> I, um, I, I just don't think, you know, um, I, I just don't think there was a will to, to it being, yeah. to, you know, that, that's all, yeah. that's the only difference. And I, and, um, uh, I, I, I absolutely have no, no problem with um, uh, faith or, or anything like that. Um, the, the, I, have, I, I have a problem with magic. I don't have a problem with faith. I mean, well, I, well, I, I have somewhat anemic faith. It comes and goes, you know what I mean? Sure. And uh, I have it, a firefly of a faith. It, it comes when I'm on. So often. Yeah, yeah. It comes every so often, you go, oh, look, oh, now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd it go? I don't know. Can I put it in a jar? Yes, but it'll die. You know? Yes. Punch a few holes in the lids of my faith and then maybe it'll yeah. last for the night or something like I have, that. I have, uh, I, have, um, I have faith in, uh, in people. That's nice. You know, I think that it, it, it'll be okay. What? Uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> have you seen people's track record? No. <laughs> but 
it'll be fine because we'll all be dead soon. <laughs> what, what I love about that conversation, you know, I like it wasn't exceptionally like deep, but it didn't need to be. They were just trying to relate to each other, even though they have different values and views. And I kind of feel like I and, and you know, occasionally I'll listen to like Sam Harris's podcast or, uh, you know, he recently had Ricky Gervais on there or some of the figures that were involved in like the new atheism movement of about a decade ago that have really softened to a degree and have really embraced sort of this like friendly, compassionate approach to, and that's not across the board, but I do feel like we're at a place culturally now where finding commonality between people who are atheists and people who are religious, I feel like it's easier to bridge that gap than it was a while ago. And I feel like a conversation like this really showcases that because, you know, it wasn't long ago, someone like a Seth MacFarlane or like a Ricky Gervais were openly combative to even discussions about faith. And here you have them kind of trying to find a ways to relate to each other's spirituality, which I felt like was pretty interesting. It's interesting to watch the parallel uh, of that happening, almost like the intellectual discourse is softening and maybe coming a little bit more, uh, you know, friendly, uh, a, a more academic on intellectual side, but while at the same time, the cultural Christianity, you know, partisan Christianity is like getting more and more angry and divided. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's yeah. tougher to, for a cultural Christian evangelical and a liberal to have a civil dialogue. But now an yeah. atheist and uh, an intellectual atheist and intellectual, you know, theologian can have a very friendly and positive dialogue. And it's just interesting to see the the kind of ebb and flow of the cultural dynamic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. has changed because, like you said, I, and my experience with particularly Gervais's uh, expression of atheism has been very hostile and, and even dismissive. Yeah of faith and past. And, and obviously Colbert is a is a pretty winsome personality to to bring that sort of attitude to. But it is interesting to see him being for him to say, I have no problem with faith, which is what he said there. I don't think that's something that Joyce would have said a few years ago. Right. It seems like he did have a problem with faith. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what I that's what I found kind of refreshing about it. And he was actually eager to engage about and on common ground. Like we can both feel all you call it nature. You call it creation. I call it nature. But we both experience a similar sense of awe. And yeah, like you said, a couple of years ago, someone like Gervais wouldn't even make an effort to find common ground with someone. And, and really somebody who's a believer would have to protect that with hard boundaries to say, like, I will not be wavered with your unbelief. I believe staunchly, right? right. And now Colbert is going, hey, if we're honest, my my faith has doubts and. And I can meet you in the middle on some of those doubts. Now I come back to the side of faith, but and then Gervais says, you know, I I don't believe in a creator, but I can meet you in the middle on the side of wonder of of nature, you know. And like it's interesting yeah. that they're trying to find that moment of we're together in this moment. Now we end up on other sides in other areas, yeah. but like an effort to be honest and transparent and vulnerable to say like, maybe, maybe there is something bigger that I don't know. Like Gervais, like saying, like kind of admitting, like maybe there is, yeah. I don't think there is, but maybe, you know, like that's yeah. a softening that is unprecedented. Yeah. It be, because he, I mean, he even said like, it's an evidence thing for him, not an ideological one. 
You know what I mean? It's not this hostility, this open hostility to religion. It's that he needs evidence to believe, which is a totally different posture, but one that opens up a conversation about what even constitutes evidence, you know? Right. So, and it so. feels being willing to start there, being willing to accept that feels very biblical to me, being willing to say, I, I also have felt wonder at nature. I, I, too, I can definitely relate to that. This is something that's very similar to what Paul did when he saw the, the idol to an unknown God, being willing to start with that commonality. Like we can both yeah. feel this sense of wonder. We attribute this to different things. Let's start there and work that conversation out. I don't think Ricky Gervais is on the cusp of a, of a spiritual transformation, but, uh, but a conversation like that with Colbert couldn't hurt. Yeah. Put it back. Hillsong United, let it off. Can you feel the wonder? Mm, mm. Mm. We, we cut the clip off before they went there, but John Baptiste immediately launched right into that. <laughs> Wonder by Hillsong United. <laughs> All right, coming in number three this week, Devon Franklin announced he's producing a new biopic about Kirk Franklin. No relation. Uh, the film producer and author took to Instagram this week to announce the new project. And during the announcement, he jokingly compared the project to other recent music biopics, saying, if you think Bohemian Rhapsody is something, if you think Rocket Man is something, wait. Wait, Kirk mm-hmm. Franklin has a pretty interesting personal story. After being abandoned by his mom, he was raised by an aunt who actually collected and sold aluminum cans to pay for his piano lessons as a child. Obviously, those lessons paid off um, along with selling millions of albums and winning 14 Grammys. Uh, Kirk Franklin has collaborated with the likes of uh, Chance the Rapper, Kanye, Tori Kelly, and countless others. Uh, Devon Franklin's company, Franklin Entertainment, has a pretty solid track record of late, producing the faith-based fi- faith-based films Breakthrough, The Star, and Miracles from Heaven. It'll be interesting to see the Kirk Franklin yeah. biopic. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it is an interesting story, and I I think music biopics are obviously really kind of you know hot right now. But also, I'm I just like Devon Franklin. You guys remember when he was on? you know, a few months back, that guy can preach. He preached in an interview. I, yeah. you know, that's, he, yeah, I'm excited to see what they, what he does with this, uh, Kirk Franklin movie. You know, I, we've been predicting for a while and this is another, this is another more proof that the, the CCM cinematic universe is well underway. <laughs> and if you, if you stay through to the post credit scene of this Kirk Franklin, if you, if you sit through the credits all the way to the end, then, you know, you're going to see Kirk walk into a dark room and somebody, let's say, Carmen's going to walk out and say, Kirk Franklin, I'm here to talk to you about the, the Dove Award initiative. So, dun, 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 dun. Carmen is uh, Cut, Nick, Carmen's the Nick Fury character. Yeah, yeah, Carmen's going to be our Nick Fury. He's going to round them all up. The, the problem is nobody knows how to tell him that they really find his music videos insufferable. They, they like the idea. They like the general idea. But whenever he leaves them, they're like, nice guy, but... Yeah, we, we got to do something about those music yeah, videos. Can, can, can we replace him as the leader of this gang with like an Amy are, Grant or something? We are like blowing his... our entire budget on music videos. <laughs> we have nothing left over. You just created a nine-minute video for a three-minute song, and in it, you are an old Western gunslinger for reasons that are never made clear, shooting actual demons. It's very confusing. It's very dark. And for some reason... 600 ex- extras of props and costumes. We can't do them. We don't have this. <laughs> All right, coming in number two this week, uh, Katy Perry testified in a copyright infringement case involving Christian rapper Flame. Uh, this week, uh, Katy Perry uh, and her controversial producer, Dr. Luke, uh, were among those who took the stand in the case that has now been going on since 2014 when Christian rapper Flame filed a suit that claimed 
Katy Perry's 2013 hit, Dark Horse, essentially ripped off his single, Joyful Noise, which he released in 2008. Uh, Flame's lawsuit also adds that, quote, the devoutly religious message of Joyful Noise has been irreparably tarnished by its association with with the witchcraft, paganism, black magic, and Illuminati imagery evoked <laughs> by in the same music in Dark Horse. Um, Katy Perry's team has denied that they copied the track, claiming that they had never even heard the song. Uh, their attorney said uh, this about the bass line. This is a common musical building block used in many compositions, adding that Flames team cannot monopolize that. Jury deliberations are beginning as we speak. Now, we will bring it to you, folks. Yes. yes. Let's listen it? to both songs, okay? So first up, we're going to listen to Flames' 2008 single, Joyful Noise. Here it is. And I'm trying to lift them high, high, higher than the stars. I am not of this world like I'm from the planet Mars. I love to preach Jesus. You can read it in my bar. I'm pretty straight far when I'm speaking about my Lord. He paid the sin price being beat by Roman guards. But when he resurrected, gave so, so I think, I think the, the main thing they're disputing is that dun, 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 Which I can hear. Okay. Here's Katy Perry's Dark Horse. Ready? Oh man, I think it's there. Yeah, that's definitely just the beat. It's the beat. The dun, 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 that thing. Yeah, yeah. I, they, hear, I hear it. I mean, it's it, it's a little slowed down. It definitely. It's five years later. My gut is a producer in the studio that Perry's label hired. Add, you know, you pull from inspiration, you yeah. pull from sources, you listen to things, you grab things, you, and and I, I think it's, it's in. I, no, I, I just think I it's in. It. I think I it was in the. It. I think it was in the producer's head somewhere. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know that he's playing it and ripped it. I just think like at some point somebody might have heard that and said, "Oh, that's, that's kind of cool vibe." Well, well, that's the thing when you hear it back to back. I, I mean that the, the 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 core that the song is built on, like that little kind of riff, you know. Yeah. It is just a slowed down version. Chandler, you're you're in music production. You don't think he, that Flame has a case? I mean, not really. It's the exact same notes in a similar it is, tone. It is, I mean, it's easy to do that. Think of how many songs have the same chord progression, the same key. You know what I mean? I've I've heard other songs and been like, oh, that does kind of remind me of that song. And but also, there wasn't he, a lawsuit. It, it sounds like on. he's just ripping off everyone else. You know what I mean? Like his whole thing is is ripped off from other people it's just that he did it he's ripping off five people instead of you know he who yeah, this is more the, shocking the, than you turning your back flame on guys for, flame? for yeah. bread flame sticks. who did flame rip off i mean his his flow sounds like you know we could probably figure out all of the the areas it's coming from it's, yeah but there's it sounds in, completely unoriginal yeah but inspiration and, and style. you know is different yeah. than a complete copyright infringement yeah. i mean because the music and the i mean nobody's suing uh Pant, you know, designer for ripping off, you know, future's style of rapping. That's not right. what we're talking here. That's just inspiration and emulation. Yeah, sure, but the actual track itself is intellectual property, right? And that sounds identical, but slowed down just a tweak to not be a complete rip. You know, I, one thing I, I will think, say. I, one thing I will say is that I could be maybe sympathetic to the the accusation. Of uh, of inspiration or or it, it, accidental or otherwise, yeah. But sure. I feel like they 
overplay their hand a little bit when it comes to the association with witchcraft and paganism. Because yeah, yeah, that yeah, feels sure. like even if I could be kind of like on your side a little bit, then to take it, you, you got to you got to yeah. stay. You got to you got to keep the fight on solid ground. Well, yeah. And then like, you are you, is your issue level. is your issue copyright infringement or is your issue like now? Like it sounds like now they're going, I want more damages because you've damaged my reputation or something. You know, it's well, like, well, no, no right. one thinks flame. No, yeah. no, no one thinks flame and Lecrae are into black magic or yeah. witchcraft because Katy Perry used a similar beat in a single. Yeah. yeah that just yeah. seems like, uh, you know, it's like, is this about copyright infringement or is this about something honestly absurd? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to the, the, the rebuttal of the lawyer saying, it's a common baseline. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many notes on the thing. It's not just the baseline. It's the exact syncopation. It's exact tone. It's it's the, you know, it's not just like boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's yeah. not, that's not that we ripped off. It's it's yeah. the melodic. So that's a melody that is easy to follow on, in my opinion. All right, coming in at number one this week on the hot list. Uh, the first trailer has been released for the upcoming Mr. Rogers movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, the movie tells a true story of an Esquire journalist played by uh, Matthew Rice, who profiled uh, Mr. Rogers and found himself changed by a new friend along the way. Fred Rogers uh, was also an ordained Presbyterian minister and in the actual magazine feature, God, faith, and especially prayer played a prominent role. At one point in the story, the writer, who is openly skeptical of his subject, decides to ask Mr. Rogers about what color he sees the painted sky on set as because Mr. Rogers is colorblind. He writes, quote, all I have to do is be nice for my allotted half hour today, and then I'll just take the rest of the day off. But no, Mr. Rogers is a stubborn man. So on the day I ask about the color in his sky, of his sky, he has already gotten up at 530, already prayed for those who have asked uh, for his prayers, already read, already written, already swum, already weighed himself, already sent out cards for the birthdays he never forgets, already called any number of people who depend on him for comfort, already cried when he read the letter of a mother whose child was buried with a picture of Mr. Rogers in his casket, already played for 20 minutes with an autistic boy who has come with his father all the way from Boise, Idaho to meet him. By the end of the story, he is praying with Mr. Rogers, and oh, by the way, Mr. Rogers in this film is played by Tom Hanks. Here's a clip from the trailer. We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah? Like what? There are many things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. Love broken people like me. Sometimes we have to ask for help, and that's okay. I think the best thing we can do is to let people know boom, that each one of them is precious. I will say this, I, you know, I was putting together the show notes uh, uh, late last night and I, you know, w- wanted to find a, a like a little snippet from the original magazine feature that ran in Esquire back in the day that this film is based on this interaction between the skeptical journalist and Mr. Rogers. And man, I got sucked back into. I'd read that story years ago and I got sucked back into it. And 
like faith isn't just a part of the of Mr. Rogers story. It is the story. Like everything he did in his career was motivated by his faith and his desire to express love and kindness, particularly to children. And I would encourage anyone to go read that story. Um, you can, if you Google Esquire, Mr. Rogers, you can, you can find it, but I'm, I, I am through, I can't wait for this, for the, for the well, movie. One thing I really liked about the trailer, I think that there's kind of two ways of doing a, a, a biopic like this. Uh, one would be what we'll call the Rami Malek method, uh, which you, when he played Freddie Mercury, it, it was such a, it was such an attempt at a complete recreation at mimicry that it almost felt a little bit like a Saturday night live performance at some points. It was like so clearly trying to ape exactly what Freddie Mercury did and said and was like, and that's one way to do it. But I like how Hanks is, um, he doesn't look a ton like Fred Rogers. He certainly doesn't sound a lot like him. He has a much lower voice than Rogers did. And instead of trying to, to talk a little bit high in a higher register, he just goes for a really good performance that gets at the spirit of what Fred Rogers was and and his uh, and his uh his kindness that really comes across and I think it makes for a much better tribute to the overall character. I, I'm, than, one, uh, copycat. I'm I'm wondering though. I'm wondering though because like I watched the trailer and everybody on the internet's like, oh, so moved and it's amazing, whatever. And I'm going. I'm watching Tom Hanks. I'm watching Tom Hanks. I mean, I, did you see like uh, being Mr. Banks the movie or something uh, uh, where he plays where he Walt, Walt Disney? Disney. He's yeah. the exact same as when he was Walt Disney. So I'm sitting there going like, it's Walt Disney wearing a cardigan. You know what I mean? Like it's, he, he's perfect. He's great. I'm just going, I kind of wish there was a little bit more uniquely Mr. Rogers in his performance, you know? Yeah. It, well, and, and that's to a degree when I feel like there's a handful of actors that you only see the actor, you never see the character really. Like, I, you know, like you could put them on a pretty short list with like, you know, like a Tom Cruise or like a Brad Pitt. Like it's always Tom Cruise. You well, know what I mean? Well, like, when he did Mr. When he did Walt Disney, he, he, you, you started because we don't know Walt Disney. You know what I mean? We just know him from those, some clips and pictures and things like that. So his mannerisms and his demeanor, you, you go, you start to say, I'm watching Walt Disney. I mean, yeah. like you really do buy in. The problem is his, his Mr. Rogers is identical. And yeah. I'm going, maybe over the course of a movie, it fades away and you, you know, become less aware of that. But when I see the trailer, I see Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney, you know? Yeah. I mean? so. Like the, the person who I feel like is like a, a face. We all know what really nailed it was Meryl Streep when she did um, that uh, film about Julia Childs. Like she, even though she's one of the most recognizable figures in Hollywood, I feel like she disappeared into that role. And like no. you, you, you know, she had the voice, she kind of looked like her, you know, I, I feel like that's an example of well, kinda... she she's another level because like her character as uh, uh, Winthrop or whatever her name is uh, in a devil wears Prada. Mm. She yeah. personified that. And now her and big little lies with the yeah, I know she has fake teeth in it, whatever. But yeah. you do not think of Anna Winter no. or, or devil wears Prada yeah. at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like unrecognizable her performance. And, and but Tom Hanks has kind of slipped into old gentle Tom Hanks mode. And I just don't know that he's kind of buying into the I range. Mean, it works though. It, I mean, works. it, it works. He's amazing. It worked for me. It worked for me. It yeah, has that. He has matters. that little bit of a Pittsburgh accent that I think kind of helps yeah. mask it a little bit, which I, yeah. I don't think, I don't believe Tom Hanks actually has. Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember where, where Hanks grows up. I'll be interested to see that too, because I remember thinking I, I didn't really care for the movie, but I remember when I saw the trailer for vice, 
just seeing Christian Bale and be like, oh, that's Christian Bale in a fat suit. See, I, like, like, I, I, I thought he was. No, when I watched the movie, I, it really did. I, like I said, I didn't yeah, love the movie, him. but his performance did. I did lose. I did stop thinking that's Christian Bale yeah, the, the entire con- time. The, con- the content of the movie wasn't the level that it could have been, but yeah. his performance is unbelievable. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. You yeah, lose, very, very you good. lose, you think you're watching yeah. Dick Cheney at, some, at one yeah. point. You, you're right. You lose the actor in the middle of it. Uh, little, 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 uh, who ca- nobody cares about this information, this trivia about Mr. Rogers. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Great. Uh, Relevance last office was in a part of Orlando, Metro Orlando called Winter Park. Uh, across yeah. the street from us was the baseball stadium for Rollins College. Behind it, you know, all around us was Rollins College. Oh, yeah. I Most famous. That alumnus of Rollins College is Fred Rogers, Mr. Fred Rogers. Rogers. And uh, there's a barber shop on the corner that just put up a big old Mr. Rogers mural on the side of the building because that's his old stomping grounds. Yeah. Number two is Frankie Bennigan's, the founder of Bennigan's. Uh, it's really <laughs> prestigious and will be featured prominently on Taste of Love. So well, yeah, good uh, for you, Rod. Well, Bob Appleby also graduated from the Culinary <laughs> Institute there at Rollins. So, you know. Olive Garden was a huge one. She was... <laughs> Big dumb, No, no, Chi Chi. Jim Olive. Jim Olive. First name Chi, last name Chi. Yeah, Chi Chi. Yeah. Jose Chi Chi, Jim Olive, and his famous garden. Yeah. Olive's garden. All right. Olive's garden. Yeah. There's a typo. We, uh, yeah. We already printed the sign, so we're Olive Garden. It's Olive Garden now. Not Jim Olive. There's no olives or garden here. I'm like, I know. Olive's garden made a lot more sense, but. It's not a Logan's the Roadhouse is, the situation. The sign is mounted. So what are you? Yeah. What are we gonna do? You know. Oh, that's right. But just give them. A, just give enough red six. Don't forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Distract right. them so with true. breadsticks. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the life motto of Taylor. <laughs> Distract them with breadsticks. Um, <laughs> that'll do it for. It's the hardest, the hardest. It's sizzling. It is sizzling. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Jamie Bell joins us. You're listening to Old Dominion. The song is Never Be Sorry. Well, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. Including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface, Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Right now, Squarespace is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. You can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I've built many sites with Squarespace. Love them. Well, Jamie Bell has starred in movies including Rocket Man, The Fantastic Four, Snowpiercer, and this weekend, his latest film, Skin, hits theaters. The movie from acclaimed indie studio A24 tells the true story of a white supremacist neo-Nazi who risks his life to leave his past of hate behind and seek redemption. Jesse uh, recently spoke with Jamie about the movie and why it's so important to confront difficult topics in movies. Tell us about it. 
Yeah. So I was really excited just because I remember when this story was in the news about this guy who was part of this, basically like a neo-Nazi white supremacist gang wanted to leave and like anti-hate activists kind of took him under his wing and eventually were even able to get these tattoos that he had all over his face removed. It was such an interesting story, but I wanted to start talking with Jamie about how do you take a character that, you know, is, has, is this repugnant, you know, someone who is a leader of a neo-Nazi gang and actually make an audience feel empathy for them. And, you know, he had to really look at, well, what caused someone to be so damaged to think like this uh, here's what Jamie, here's how he expra- explained it. I mean, it's very tricky, I think, because, you know, I'm, I'm also uh, a human and I have my own kind of beliefs and I have my own um, uh, relationship with forgiveness and my own relationship with compassion and empathy. And, and uh, it's certainly, playing this character certainly challenged all those things. Um, I think what was important from the, from the outset was trying to not judge um the character a lot of the time in acting they're always, they're always say like you can't approach your character from a place of judgment um you have to approach him as a human first uh so i think it was always trying to understand that underneath this ferocity and this violence and this anger was intense insecurity um intense vulnerability uh fear uh remembering that this is where all these beliefs and this hatred really stem from I really like that approach because he's taking, you know, someone that represents like a horrible, horrible movement and ideology, but but looking at the human at the core of it and sees how damaged this person is to try to, uh, you know, adopt this stuff into his life. You know, but the other thing that I feel like, particularly for our audience, where I was excited to talk to Jamie, is because ultimately what leads to the, uh, you know, the, the kind of the core of this story is love and, and kindness uh, to people. You know, this guy's actively harassing and, and committing acts of violence against people he hates, but those are the people that end up saving him. Uh, here's how uh, Jamie explained it. Well, this is, I mean, obviously a very heavy fell. I mean, this is it's certainly asking a lot of, of an audience. Um, but as you mentioned, I think within that, it, it does kind of really highlight and spotlight the kindness of other people. I mean, people like uh, Daryl Lamont Jenkins, who... Um, uh, is featured in the film. He's played by Mike Coulter. Um, without his help and without his efforts, uh, Brian would not have been able to reform his life and, and get a new shot, a, a, a different kind of a life. In the same regard, in terms of the tattoo removal, that was the, the funds for that were provided by an anonymous donor, um, purely out of the kindness of their own hearts. Um, I mean, I think I think if there is a kind of a message of hope in this film, it is. Of that, that you know, you can choose these things in your life, um, choose a kind of negative path and make bad choices. But the hope in humanity is that someone will always be there to give you another shot. And I think, um, I think this film highlights that quite, quite beautifully. It, it is a really, I mean, the, the film, you know, for any of our re- listeners who want to go see it this weekend, it's rated R and it does, it's very unflinching. Do they show the removal of the tattoos? Uh, I, I don't know if that is uh, in the that would be, in, in, in the film. But they, it's re- JB Bell actually got those tattoos and then had yeah. them removed. From this movie. It was a real he's a very actor. no, but in, in real life, I mean, this is heavy. But in real life, the guy who this is based on actually tried. Well, at one point, was so distraught about the life choices he made, they actually tried to remove themselves with like acid. 
Oh, and, no, 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 oh, wow. no, yeah. no, 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 And yeah, that, that but, sounds but, later, but, but then, you know, these people out of acts of kindness, you know, people who are racial minorities who he was persecuting came to his aid and and uh, anonymous donor gave tens of thousands of dollars for the removal and even got cosmetic surgery. And that's why it's such a powerful story. And that's why I wanted to ask Jamie, because like, this is unflinching. This is a hard story, but an important one, you know, it's this movie's played at, at a bunch of festivals. It's gotten rave reviews, uh, you know, prior to the release, the, the official release. And I wanted to ask Jamie what it was like and what other people's reactions to the movie like this says. I think people uh, have, have believed in its authenticity. I think people have kind of been relieved that, you know, we're not letting people off the hook. I think um, in there's certainly a lot of my interviews, there's been some um, genuine discussion, some genuine kind of back and forth discussion about where we are as a people and where we're headed and why is something like this important and what can people, you know, very much like the discussion we've been having. So I think it really has... Um, so for the, for those people who are kind of brave enough to go to go and see it, um, I think they've left with uh, hopefully a, a sense of hope for the future, and and that um, even in the darkest of times and in the darkest of places, there can be um, a little bit of hope there for someone. Yeah. So the 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 last thing I wanted to to talk to Jamie here about was you know I I think you know when we're when you look at stories of redemption. You know, like, I feel like that's something we always look for in the content we want to cover. Like, is there is there is there a redeeming quality is the redemption? And he really spoke to that. But also there's a sense of urgency. You know, the true story that is based on, you know, took place about 10 years ago. And since then, the cultural climate and the political climate and it has really evolved. Um, and even though, you know, there, it's a slightly different time period from when the 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 things in the movie take place to what's happening now. You know, I, I wanted to ask him, like, how does he think it can help kind of inform how we see the world now, especially when there's things like Charlottesville? There there are things like, you know, neo-Nazi and white supremacist movements, you know, kind of cropping up again. And here's what he said about the importance of, of the movie. I think if you look at the people who um, are on the kind of streets now, they don't look like Brian. They don't look like skinheads with boots and, you know, bomber jackets and patches right. and such. <clears throat> They're kind of wearing suits now. Khakis. You know, like they're wearing regular clothes. They're, they're kind Tiki of hiding torches. in plain sight. You, it's, yeah. very, it's much more complicated. They're hiding behind the internet. They're hiding behind this or that. Um, so I think even now, like the, the, there's a new kind of generation of this that's that's coming through and being emboldened and, and everything else. So, um, you know, I mean, in, in doing all the research I did and, and then referencing the Southern Poverty Law Center and, and looking up testimony of other people who've gotten out and um, reading books on um, this kind of ideology and stuff like that, you know, it was very frightening because so much of it is very reminiscent of things that are happening today still. So it's it's very scary. And um, this film is kind of hopefully an urgent kind of wake up call. Wow. It's it, yeah, it's a, a you know a bull. I remember I, I, when I came across this trailer a couple of weeks ago. Like it's jarring. It is. It is. It, you know. It, it's. But he makes a good point about how it, it, while his character and the movement that he's portraying was almost like visually graphic and its hatred. Yeah. Now the same hatred is there. It's just they're carrying tiki torches and wearing khakis. You know what I mean? It's just interesting that it's. You know, hopefully, I, you know, it's easy to say I'm not like that guy, but, you know, 
It's I think it creates a, I think these stories are really important to tell. I, I think that the danger, and I'm glad that he's aware of this, and then hopefully the filmmakers were as well, is that it can create this sort of a sense of, um, uh, of well, that was in the past, that was skinheads, that was people right. who have swastikas on their arms. Right. Uh, and, and, but, and you can miss the, the reality of what it looks like today, which is it's undergone a very, uh, a very aesthetically uh, helpful to its cause rebranding. That doesn't involve those. Things. Yeah, because it's e- it's easy to say. Like, I mean, now the swastika stuff is still there, and the the, the overt yeah. visual hate is still there. But you know, it's uh, it's couched in so many more deceptive ways now. It's almost yeah. like scarier. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's scary scene because you know if you've seen him in any other movies, he's not a very big guy, but he put on tons of weight and muscle in this movie to look like you know almost so similar to like a. Uh, 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 Edward Norton in like American History X. It's scary imagery, but what's even scarier is that the person you're walking down the street next to could maintain those same views. And like Jamie was saying in that last clip, they're hiding right there in plain sight. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that was Jamie Bell. Make sure, well, if you're up for it, to check out the new film from A24, his new film, Skin. It hits theaters today. All right. Stay tuned up next. It's our listener of the week. Fuller Seminary's Master of Divinity program, available online or on campus, and learn from some of the world's leading biblical scholar practitioners. Study online and apply what you're learning to your context without leaving your ministry. Whatever your vocational goals, Fuller's Master of Divinity will help you take the next steps in your vocation formation. Learn more, visit fuller.edu forward slash MDIV. That's fuller.edu forward slash MDIV. Listening to Licky Lee on his neon. Now, before we get to our listener of the week, I have something to I have something to bring up. I got a I got a breaking news. I got a press release while we've been recording the podcast. Okay, I didn't. This is news to me. Okay, uh, and so we get a lot. We get hundreds, hundreds a week. Uh, you know, press releases about new albums and things like that. Straight to the trash. We don't even look at them. Most of them. <laughs> but this one caught my eye. Mac Powell. Mac oh. Powell and the Family Reunion just released an, a, an, a debut album called Back Again. Mac Powell, and the opening line says, Mac Powell and the Family Reunion released their full-length debut album, Back Again, led by former lead singer of Grammy-winning, multi-platinum-selling group Third Day. The new band is Southern Roots and American Rock, blah, 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 blah. It goes on from there. Did you know that he left Third Day? I didn't. I didn't. And it sounds like he left Third Day to start a new Third new Day. New band. That's Southern, all about. Southern yeah. Rock Roots. That's what Third Day is. That's basically him telling all, all, Third Day. Well, well, if you look at it, no, no, no. And they're touring too, by the way. This is no small undertaking. Um, it's, it's, it's more along the lines of Credence, Clearwater Revival, James Taylor, the Eagles, the Stones even, and then some country I'm not hearing any Christian stuff. Oh, he's going mainstream. Look at that. He's going mainstream. And I'm going, how how would you feel? Well, number one, this isn't a side project. This is what I, this is what we got to double down on here. This isn't Mac Powell from third day, like doing a little side thing to kind of scratch another artistic itch. He's the former lead singer of third day. He left the Christian Mm, industry mm. 
to go and sell his soul to the devil. Mm. <laughs> shame, 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 shame. <laughs> He's probably into witchcraft and the Illuminati also, how stuff. How do you feel being one of the guys in third day? And <laughs> no, no, the family reunion. The family reunion. The family. What not were you the that entire time? So now he's finally back That's together with the people he, he originally loved. And the people he actually loved. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it, but this has got to fit into the CCM universe somewhere. I'm guessing he's the guy who was a good guy and becomes a villain. Backslider. You know, yeah. he's, he's the guy who like, switches sides. Yeah. yeah. He's like Mysterio. I was going to say, he's Thanos. He has like a complicated yeah. idea of morality <laughs> that, you know, the other members of the universe are going to have to reckon with because, wow. listen, Amy Grant's dabbled in crossover world. They've all thought about it. Yeah, but she know? didn't like leave it straight up. She, Mac Powell is the former lead singer of Third Day. This is groundbreaking. Yeah, unbelievable. We'll get, we'll, get him on the, we'll get him on the horn in no time. We'll get him on the out. blower. Chandler, get Mac Powell on the blower after Listener of the Week. Now the we question, got a great Listener of the Week right here. Now the question is, does Third Day do what Audio Adrenaline and Newsboys did and said, hey, we have this iconic frontman. He left. We're just going to slide in like Kevin Max or somebody yeah. and just keep going as Third Day. Yeah, that's probably... well. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, Mark Martin, what, what's the guy yeah. from uh, Delirious Martin uh, Smith? Martin, Martin Smith is waiting yeah. by the phone right now. He is ready for the call <laughs> and to, to become wow. the lead singer third day. Wow. All so. right. Well, it's time for. You listen to the show and it's time to get to know you. It's the listener of the week. A little behind the scenes action. Normally what we do is like in between segments, we'll get the person on the phone, talk to them, prep them, and then bring them on live. We have not done that because I got distracted by Mac Powell. So live for the first time, please help me welcome our listener of the week, Amelia Franklin. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm glad, I'm glad welcome to the worked. show. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Wow. Look at that. Uh, oh. uh, tell, tell us where you're uh, calling us from. So I'm calling from Lynchburg, Virginia. I just moved here from Buffalo, New York. Lynchburg, uh, named after all the famous lynchings that they have there. Dark. And now wow. it's a pretty unfortunate name, but what? apparently what? it's named after the guy who founded the town, which made me feel a little bit better. Bob Bob Lynch? Bob Lynch. Yeah. Also known yeah. for his salad dressing. <laughs> Amelia, how does Lynchburg compare to Buffalo so far? How are the wings compared to Buffalo? Have you had have you gone to Buffalo Wild Wing down there and, and did a little taste test? We have stayed far away from the wings down here. I don't even want to know what is uh, going on in these pizza houses but um oh, other food is good so <laughs> i love how you said pizza houses it's it's like these dens of iniquity where they make things that they're calling wings but if it doesn't come from anchor bar or whatever you guys eat up there in buffalo it's not the real <laughs> thing am, am i am i nailing that amelia is my is that is that how you're, you're feeling right now yeah um definitely we're gonna stay away from the wings we'll focus on the barbecue and other famous lynchburg eateries for now We'll focus like on the barbecue, Ruby Tuesdays, the, the racial like. injustice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. um, so did I catch, did, why did you move? Like what, what brought you to Lynchburg? Um, my husband is going to go to Liberty in the fall. So oh. we moved down here for that. Are you going to be living on uh, the family housing on campus? <laughs> no, I have a real job, so I am uh, <laughs> funding the apartment for now. What what what's your what do you do for a living, Amelia? What's your real job? My real job is I am a proofreader for a technical printing company. 
Mm. That sounds like a real oh. job. That is very, that's very real. That's that your, that's your, your real. husband's Work. job right now. His job is to be a student, obviously. So it's not like yes. he has a not real job. He just is. He's so he's found a right. sugar mama. Is what right. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, he's in the fake world. I'm in the real world. Where do you resent him real- at all? Because you sound like you kind of do. I was going to say, like, should we, we, get him on? Just we need to like, have like a little counseling session yeah, here. We can figure this out. No, Listen. I'm super happy for him. I'm really excited. Listen, Amelia, mm-hmm. get your husband and prep your Enneagram numbers because we need to do we need to do some hard deep talk dive. Here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, I tried the Annie F Downs Annie F Summer and I still have questions. So I don't know. I can't answer oh, that. Oh, really? Oh, I wish yeah, Annie was a, here. She can probably okay. help you. That's we okay. We'll, we'll just have to deal with your marriage issues at a different time because you've, <laughs> you've sent us some great story. You've teased us up some Yeah, some so good the, our listener of the week, uh, you know, every week or so, uh, we ask you guys on Twitter to tell us a little bit about yourself. And three interesting facts, and Jesse uh, very diligently goes through them and finds ones that strikes right. his fancy. Amelia sent us a few. I will read them. Uh, and you can tell us, you can expound on them. Oh, by the yes. way, keep it safe for little ears because my nine-year-old son, Cohen, is on the podcast today. Say okay, hi, Cohen. Hi, Cohen. Yeah, there hi. you go. Um, okay, so your first fact, I went through a phase where I was really interested in the Amish and even dressed up Amish for a show at Sight and Sound in Lancaster, Pennsylvania to, quote, see what it was like. <laughs> Chess in the waters. I like it. You need to <laughs> tell. Yeah. I mean, I we're not we're not generally for cultural appropriation. Right. So, uh, tell us uh, what's what. You but know. I will say this: there's a hundred percent chance the Amish will not hear this <laughs> unless someone's like blasting in a loudspeaker over. No, 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 no. They have that one year where they go and live in the big uh, city. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're spring out. But you kind yeah. of had the reverse oh. of that because you, instead of taking one year away from being an Amish, took a little time to try out being Amish yourself. Yes. How, how'd it go? Yes. Was it? Hold on. Was it a genuine interest? Like you, like thought maybe this is the life for me let me test it out or were you kind of making fun of them no 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 was not making fun i went like i said i went through a phase where i was really interested in them and i thought like i was gonna marry an amish person and i was gonna become amish um oh wow yeah like i was really interested by their plain living and i you know your life would be very different now if you marry that amish guy because you would not be be working and supporting him (laughs) you wouldn't be reading technical manuals you wouldn't even know what that was because right, they don't have yeah. technical. Yes. Um, yeah. So I would like read all the books, the romance novels. We would <gasps> go to Lancaster. I wondered years. if the r- Christian romance novels were part of the equation here. Wow. <laughs> yep. The yep. So um, we went, and I got a like a bonnet as a joke from a gift shop, and I was with my family, and they were like, "What if you dressed up Amish like when we go to Sight and Sound?" And so I don't know if I was Amish in my dress. I think I was more Mennonite because I I don't have like their mm-hmm. like their aprons. So I just wore like a plainer outfit and a long skirt, and I went to Sight and Sound, and some people took my photo. So I think I pulled it off. Well, wow. I, I okay. It seems like you went pretty deep here. Like you, you weren't just reading the novels. Okay, you actually right. dressed up and dabbled in Amishism for mm-hmm. you know ma- for a day. But what what dissuaded you? Why did you why did you leave the lifestyle behind and marry a, a non Amish heathen? No, yeah, honestly, I think I realized I would not have. I wouldn't really be able to read the Bible for myself if I was Amish. Wouldn't have a job. I had zero connections to the Amish world, so I didn't know how I was about to like wedge myself in there and get to know people. So 
Um, and then I went to college, so <laughs> kind of faded away. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if I know how the Amish uh, uh, like works. I don't think you can just walk into the village one day and be like, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here. Where's my cabin or whatever? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think you made the right process. process. That was yeah, the uh, night. That was the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. Yeah, and yeah that's, that's what I was thinking you of. You go in, you can't get out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second fact. One time, my college dorm housekeeper threw my mattress topper in the ravine behind our dorm. She didn't just throw it away. She threw it in the ravine. Why? <laughs> and also, that's a real moment. You can't just throw something away in a fit of anger. It, a mattress it, is a commitment. It's like that episode of The Office where the hotel just incinerates Kevin's shoes. Like, they didn't <laughs> throw them out. They put them in an yeah. incinerator. Why was your mattress topper thrown into a ravine? Okay, so one day I was washing my mattress topper. It was new. It was really nice. It wasn't like the basic egg crate one. It was like a really nice one. Yeah. And so I was washing it in the dorm um, laundry room. And I went back to go get it and it was gone. And so I'm like, where's my mattress topper? Like sometimes in college, if someone's taking too long to get their stuff, you'll put their things on top of the laundry machine, but it wasn't there. Um, and so I'm looking around, looking around and I see our dorm housekeeper and I was like, Aurelia, have you seen my mattress topper? And, um, she was like, Oh, and I was like, Oh man. Um, and she's like, yeah, I, I saw it in the laundry machine and it was so crinkled up and wrinkled. I tried to lay it flat. I, I put some things on it to unwrinkle it. I stretched it out in the lobby and I just, I couldn't get the wrinkles out of it. And so <clears throat> I put it in a garbage bag and I threw it in the ravine behind the dorm. It's like she's disposing evidence. What? It's like she's a member of like the Soprano <laughs> yeah. crime family. And it's like, well, this didn't work out. I better right. shove it in a garbage bag and put it in a ravine. Like, and also, it was like, why were you going through my laundry, Aurelia? Also, why not just put it back in the washer and whoever clearly yeah. put it there in the first place would come right. and get it. I mean, yeah. make right. it your or, problem, not her problem. Or do yeah. what yeah. I do with my trash, which is either just shove it down a storm drain or right. drive down the highway and throw it out the window when no one's looking. It's There's easy solutions yeah. that don't just, involve destroy the evidence. Okay, last okay. fact. My family did a ride and tide trip in Colorado where you did a three-hour horse ride through the mountains followed by whitewater rafting. I'll wait to tell you how, which is now, but the ride ended with two family members dehorsed and my mom screaming in the name of Jesus through the mountains. Dehorsed. Dehorsed. Yes. Please tell us. Okay. So we go to Colorado to visit my dad's family. That's where he's from. And we're from Buffalo. We don't do a ton of outdoorsy things, but you know, we're trying. So my dad's like, let's do this riding tide. And so we are like, we do the three hour horse ride. My brother's there, my parents and our leader. And we're coming down the mountain and I can see, you know, the, the ranch down below. And, um, she's like, just, you know, there's some like bush birds around here and sometimes they scare the horses, but like, it's fine. We're like, okay, thanks for telling us. And also I was like 10, so we were young. And so we're going down and all of a sudden a bird like flies up and scares our leader's horse. And so that leader's horse starts freaking out. And like, just from my perspective, because my perspective was the best one to be in, I see my brother's horse take off up the mountain and I just see him like fly off. And then wow. I see my dad's horse start <laughs> rearing and my dad flips off and is like rolling around because the horse is rearing and he's like trying not to get stepped on. 
And then my mom flies by and my mom is like a city girl. First time on a horse, first time in the mountains, screaming in the name of Jesus at the top of her lungs as her horse is like racing through the mountains. And my my horse is perfectly still. And I'm just like, been there, done that. Yeah, your horse is like, whatever. Yes. So um, <laughs> that is what happened on our family vacation. Everybody survived just a few scratches. My mom's horse, yeah, like it was a racehorse that just got scared and took off. And my brother ended up, he jumped off of his horse because he didn't want to go back up the mountain. But um, I feel like, yeah, we, I feel like what happened with those four horses is like kind of every group of friends when something goes wrong. <laughs> there's, there's the yes, one that keeps it yeah. together. There's the one that just takes off. <laughs> there's the one that yeah. starts thrashing, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, w- was the prayer effective though? Did the horses calm down? <laughs> it didn't stop. That was crazy. It like stopped it. And she's like, I told you it always works. Well, it doesn't that that horse uniquely doesn't respond to whoa or stop, right. but literally only prayer commands. And then yes. of Jesus yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah. And then it stops. Yeah. Good Christian yeah. horse. Good Christian horse. <laughs> Christian horse. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. That's a, do, you, do you feel like your uh, your time studying the ways of the Amish who famously <laughs> use a lot of horses did that prepare you at all for this? Yeah, yeah, I felt we had that deep connection of woman to animal, and you know I think that's why he didn't take off when everything happened. Is <laughs> I felt you know I horses so. can you know understand a person's intentions, I guess. So yeah, he knew. Knew what I was a, in. What a pro! Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, thanks for being our listener of the week, Amelia. Yep. Have a good one. All right. If you want to be our listener of the week in a future episode, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us interesting things about yourself. Uh, Jesse, are there any particular things you like to look out for, keep your eye out for? I do. I always, I usually, Amelia could tell you this, usually I'll, I'll kind of nix one of them and I'll say, give me a funny or embarrassing story. And she came back with this great Amish story. So yeah, that's pretty good. just, just yeah, tease yeah. me out one that's like funny or embarrassing right out of the gate and it'll probably catch my eye. Now, the other thing too, I get a lot of gross stuff. <laughs> I, a lot of people will send me something like, uh, these are pretty good, but these are kind of gross. The, you know, stay away from like bathroom stuff. I'll, that's all I'll say. I'm looking for funny and embarrassing but you know i you, you know we want to keep little it ears. yeah we don't want to know about reasonably clean we don't yeah. want to know about what happened after you went to chi chi's last thursday you yeah, know like exactly. we're not looking we, for that we yeah. we've all seen that episode of a taste to love that ends in food <laughs> point that ends in stomach <laughs> flu <laughs> chandler's like how could you betray there's me a, like this there, there's a reason the health department <laughs> shut down chi chi's worldwide it's uh you know it's, there's something was bad in that they did one big bad batch of salsa and oh boy you know it's uh listen if it's, if it's about what if it's about what happened to you the night after you ate that bad batch of chi chi salsa save it because i never want to hear it <laughs> some of us experience it firsthand <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, some of us experienced that episode. So for some people, that episode hits real close to home. Yeah, real close. too close. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I can't wait for the debut of Taste of Love on the Food Channel coming this fall. I'm so excited. Nine o'clock every Wednesday night. I'll just binge watch every episode the second that it comes on to Netflix. Look at that! <laughs> Look at Marathon the generational divide. I'm sitting there saying we're going to tune in every Wednesday night at nine, no, he's, and he's, he's like, "I'll wait till it goes to Netflix. I'll just binge it." Yeah, that's what I do with everything. How like how do TV networks even exist anymore? I don't even yeah, know. But when there's Netflix, that's right, and Amazon True. Prime Video. 
<laughs> All right. Many thanks to Jamie Bell for joining us. His new film, Skin, hits theaters today. Go check it out. And thanks also to Squarespace for making the episode possible. Remember, you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant. Save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, uh, while you're you know in your podcast app right now, head over if you like the show, head over and uh, leave a review and a, and, a, and a rating for us. It helps other people find it. And also make sure to tune in Monday, season two of Unedited with Cameron Strang drops with yeah. my special guest Christine Kane on Monday's episode. It's an um, unbelievable conversation you won't want to miss. Oh, and also. Make sure you subscribe to Relevant Daily, our weekday, every weekday, we're bringing you 10 minutes of what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture, keeping your finger on the pulse. Make sure to uh, subscribe. But before we wrap up, Cameron, I need to give a shout out to, oh. to Christina S. Christina S. is converting. Hey, this should, be a new, this should be a new segment. At the very end of the show, we do shout outs. Yeah. Okay. Shout outs. Shout outs. Yeah. It could be a shout out to anything too. And this week, <laughs> I, I want to give my Merch shout out to Christina S. You know, yeah. she heard me railing on the postal system and she's camera. She's converting me. She's making me an advocate of the postal service and receiving physical letters because she went online and yeah. found my address. Okay. Oh, <laughs> she, my word. She, she, I'm not going to tell people how she found it. She explained it in this nice letter and the, the letter actually appear. It's a card. It's a card and it appears handwritten. But the thing is, it's actually a service she uses that will handwrite a letter for you to deliver it because she is in Bulgaria. She's listening from Bulgaria. She hurt. She and we loves wonder how the Russians hack our electro- electoral system. <laughs> Bulgarians. I want to know. Comrade Putin up there. He has it all. Yeah, I have I have actually been to Bulgaria. I've been to Sofia. It's a beautiful city, beautiful country. And she was kind enough. She's listening from Bulgaria. She wanted to show how great receiving a physical card could be. So she found my address online. She used a service called Postable that wrote me a handwritten card and, and it got delivered in the mail. Christina asks, thank you. I received your letter. That was very, very kind of you. And I appreciate it. Shout out to you That's and crazy. Bulgaria. Shout out to Bulgaria. Shout out to the postal system. Yeah. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Cohen Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Bob Appleby. All right. We'll see <laughs> you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Applebee's, you've slidered your way into my heart. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.